Uh, my name is Roman Amundsen. I've been coming to Epic Life pretty much since it started, so for a good while. Thanks for, thanks for that. And, you know, it's been amazing, uh, just the transformation that, that I've seen in the ministry. But uh, I don't want to get off track. I've got to stay to my story, right? So I had a pretty normal childhood. I had a dad who worked a lot and a mom who shopped a lot. And they were both really good at that, which meant that my sister and I had a lot of time by ourselves. When we were younger, she would babysit me, and then as we got older, she would kind of do her own thing, and I'd go do my own thing, and we were just gone a lot. And it was pretty cool when you're young, you know, you're like, oh, my parents are cool, I have a lot of freedom, but I always felt like there was something missing. Um, didn't really know what it was. Got a little bit older, though, and you look back, and you think about it, and you realize, well, it was my parents, you know. Didn't really ever feel cherished or, or loved. I mean, they told me they loved me, but it was like, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you. It was just automatic, you know, it felt like there was something missing with that. And so that, uh, you know, we had a lot of time by ourselves, and so let me see where I'm at here. But you know what I would do as I got older? I would look back and, and look at my childhood and the things that I didn't like about it, and I would compare to other childhoods, you know, and I wanted to feel bad about the hurt that I felt, but I was like, well, I'm not in Ethiopia. I wasn't starving, you know, my parents weren't alcoholics, I didn't get beaten, so what's the deal? You know, and I would feel guilty for feeling like my childhood wasn't that great. And it wasn't really until I got older that I came to a place where I was okay with saying, you know what, some of that stuff that happened or didn't happen when I was young, it hurt. You know, and it's okay for me to say that. It's like my pain is relative to me, just like your pain is relative to you. And it's okay to say that sometimes, you know. But it took a while for me to learn that, but it was pretty freeing when I did. And I want to tell you a little bit more about some of the stuff that happened when I was young that was hard and that hurt. And, and some of that, of course, was at school. Uh, I can remember one morning, the start of second grade, and my teacher was, you know, doing her thing, getting ready to start the class. And, and I had actually went to bed that night and got sent to school by my mom without getting bathed. So that wasn't too cool. And so the teacher's starting class, and she goes, what's that smell? And I kind of started sinking lower in my chair because I'm figuring maybe she's talking about me. And she goes, do you smell that? She goes, it smells like urine. And I was freaking out. I was like, oh, my gosh, I want to disappear into the floor right now, you know? And so she's walking up and down the aisles trying to find the source of it. And I don't know if she figured out it was me or not. I'm sure she did. But thankfully, she didn't put me on blast any more than that. But I was freaked out, right? I was about as nervous as I've ever been. And that's probably my first memory uh, as a child of feeling shame, you know, and feeling just horror, right? That's pretty awful. And so I was seven. Uh, beyond that, when I was 15, my parents decided to relocate us to New Mexico. And I remember that when I turned 16, I sat by myself on my bedroom floor and just cried. You know, I was alone, you know. And uh, after fifth grade, I didn't go to the same school for two years in a row. So that's a different school for sixth, a different school for seventh, a different one for eighth, four different high schools. And so really that was my training as a youngster getting ready for life. It was don't get close to people because you're going to get hurt. So I decided I have enough pain. I'm not getting close to anybody. So I walked around like this, not getting close to you. You're not going to hurt me anymore. I was tired of being hurt. And I, I kept doing that into my 20s. You know, my friends were drinking buddies and my family. And that was it. I was lonely. So I walked around like this. I couldn't really get away from that. But as you can imagine, when you do that, your life kind of sucks. 
and my life sucked. And sadly, for myself and for my ex-wife, I got married during that time. Didn't know how to do relationships, didn't know how to communicate, didn't know that it was okay for me to have needs, didn't know how to express those at all. So I was like this in my marriage, and I never gave her a chance. I never let her into my heart. I didn't know I was doing that, but I was. I was doing my best, but again, my best sucked. So the marriage didn't work out. So there I was again, alone, divorced, you know, drinking buddies. I still got a few of those. I'm still walking around like this and still pretty lonely. But then here comes Jesus to the rescue, right? That's what he does. It was probably about five years ago that I got invited by my brother-in-law to go to a men's Bible study. And I'm thinking, okay, I'll go there just like this. I won't really share. I'll talk a little bit. As soon as it's over, I'm going to cut out. Well, the Holy Spirit set a little trap for me that I couldn't escape. <laughs> so it was a pretty average men's Bible study. It was pretty cool. But after it was over, the guy who led it said, okay, now we're going to get into groups of four and pray for each other. And uh, it's funny because Eric Waterbury was there and Eric Knopf was there. And I didn't know really either one of them, especially Knopf. And he ended up in the group with me, uh, you know, to pray. And it came my turn to ask what I want to prayer for. And I was like this, but before you know it, I started sharing and, and I was like, oh, I need prayer because I just was getting drunk last night and I was sexually active, you know, blah, blah, blah. I was right in the middle of everything. But I started going like this and I started opening up and sharing all the stuff that I was doing. And you know what's crazy? They didn't throw me out of the house. They started praying over me and they were praying things like forgiveness and grace and mercy and how much God loves me. And I was like, are you kidding me right now? Did you just hear what I said? I think you're praying for the wrong guy, you know? But sure enough, they were praying for me. And I was crying because I had never really felt God's love like that. I had felt the religious love that said, oh, you sin and you're going to be punished, right? But no, they brought the grace and they brought the truth. And my life hasn't been the same since. So come on. <laughs> and I, w I will say that there's some quality men in this ministry that you know, because I, I was a pain. It wasn't easy for them to love me. I was like, you know, I'd go like this and be like, huh, get away from me again. And then they'd, they'd kind of help me go like that and, and come back to myself. But they're, they're amazing men in this ministry. And their ability to love in spite of wherever I was at totally has changed my life. And, and when I was in my 20s and doing that stuff, I, I can tell you that I didn't share my opinion if I had one because I didn't think anybody would want to hear it. I was insecure. I dealt with a lot of insecurity and shame. I didn't have dreams. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know who God was to me. But because of the people in this ministry and because of my choices and because of God's love, I know who I am. I know that I'm God's son. I know what my dreams are. I know that he loves me no matter what. And it's just because of love. So I just want to encourage you tonight because no matter where you're at, if you feel like you're alone and all that stuff, you're not the only one that's ever felt that way. And there's just as much hope for you as there is for anybody in this world. One of my favorite verses is, uh, it's on here somewhere, John 8, 32. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And the truth is you're loved, and you can't lose. That's it. That's right. That's a good word. Thanks, Roman. I remember that, too. That, that guy's dead, that old guy that was in that Bible study. Haven't seen him for years. <laughs> Speaking of killing it, welcome Eugene up. Come on.
Hello? <laughs> okay. So from a show of hands, uh, how many people went to um, East or went to church last Sunday for, for Easter Sunday? Quite, quite a few of you. Um, you probably heard like a really great message about Christ's life, his lineage, the resurrection, and how um, he died and then rose on the third, right? And I'm not here to give you like the college, you know, version of that or anything like that, or to reiterate what you already heard, but behind that resurrection and Christ's life, there's a lot of power that came with that and a lot of power that's available to us to tap into. So here tonight, I just want to give us some practical tools on how like, we can tap into that power and use it not only for us, but then how we could also give it out to other people. <laughs> Glad we're on the same page here. Okay, so there's a video floating around on YouTube, came out probably about six months ago. I talked about this at small group. Some of you might have seen it. Um, I hate religion, but I love Jesus. Many of you guys have, have seen that? Yeah. So for you, those of you who haven't, the video is like, you know, like the church, you know, like um, condemns the single mom, but then like Jesus loves her. And the video's cool. Like it's being played like millions of views. It got played on like really famous like hip hop websites, like secular ones. So it, it's like a breakthrough video. Um, I disagree kind of with how it denounces religion as the pursuit of Jesus. Um, but I love that the focus is Jesus and we're coming into, I feel like we're a culture, a generation of people that are more Jesus driven than we are law driven. Because if you saw Jesus from like when Jesus was, was walking the earth, I mean, he was giving out parables. He was loving on people, just spreading grace on people that don't deserve it. Still does it to this day. But back then, I mean, like the Pharisees, people were like, this guy's out of his mind. Things are supposed to be like this, but he's saying it's, it's something different, you know? And people thought that, oh, they, they, Pharisees thought that there's already a blueprint from how you get to God. And Jesus over here like, yeah, there is a blueprint. You're looking at him. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty much that simple, but it was hard for them to wrap their heads around that. So first, I just want to, um, I want to talk about the blood of Jesus. Now, many of us have probably taken communion before, and we have the bread, which represents the body. Okay, come on, you guys. All right. And then we have the cup or the, that bomb cranberry juice where I'm like... Can I have two? <laughs> or the wine or the red Kool-Aid, whatever it is, whatever it is, but it represents the blood. And uh, when we take of the blood, it, it's, not like, it's not like some weird Twilight thing. It's not like some Vampire Diaries or any one of those things. It's but there was power behind the blood that was shed. Because in the Old Testament, there was a block 
between man and God. But because of what Jesus did on the cross and the blood that he shed, he now stands in the gap between man and God. So there's a lot of power that is behind that. And so when we take the blood, like that's what we're taking in. And so I did a little study about blood, because if you really study blood and then study why Jesus did what he did and why God sent Jesus, I mean, everything just lines up. How many of you guys have ever had like a sports injury before or some injury where your mom or your doctor said, just rub some ice all over it and just numb it and everything, right? Okay, we all, we're all familiar with that. Okay, so about a year or two ago, I had an a, a upper inner thigh injury. Won't, won't get graphic or anything, but what the... What the um, my physical therapist told me to do was just to exercise it and rub ice on it. And what ice does is that it causes all the blood to rush to, to that area because what blood does is it brings nutrients and it brings healing. Yeah, so that's why we actually numb it. So like, if you like rub ice and you notice that it's turning red on some of us fair-skinned or just white people, like it, it, <laughs> it, your skin turns red because the blood is rushing to that area now. And what it does is that it, when, when, it, when it numbs it, it sends an, an alert for the blood to rush there. Well, because that there is this big gap between man and God, it was like an alert. And what happened was, is God then sent Jesus and said, here, I want you to spread or to spill blood so that I could have relationship with my children. And so it's so cool just how just the, the science behind blood and then what God's doing, it's, it, it's all lined up. I love it when science and God lines up together. I wish you had more time. I'd get into some more stuff. But so blood in itself has uh, cells in it, okay? And it has three different cells. It has red blood cells, uh, which deliver oxygen. We can't live without oxygen. You guys know the Jordan Sparks song. Tell me how I'm supposed to breathe with no air, air. <laughs> right? With oxygen comes life. In scripture, we uh, read that uh, John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, uh, but I came that they may have life and life more abundantly. So if you're sitting here and you're saying, I have no life. Christ died on the cross so that you can have a life, not only a life, but a life more abundantly. Or... You, you might guys run into a situation where, well, what about that guy who has the hot wife and, you know, like the cars, the two and a half kids and a dog and a big fancy house? Like, how do I present God to him? He's in need of anything. Well, that guy might be living life on a very material level, but he could be living life more abundantly. You know, and it's only within Christ that we can live life more abundantly. Without him, it's just like a life without a cap on it. Without him, everything that we do and love has a cap on it. It's just when, when we come into Christ, it's everything. There is just, it's no ceilings. The, I mean, the sky's not the limit. It's just, it, it, it's whatever. The second thing is that our blood has is, is white blood cells. And these are uh, tied hand in hand with our immune system. And if you guys think like, man, he's really, sp no, I, I took a, a class on a microbiome. That's the only reason why I know this stuff. Uh, 
But white blood cells are very interesting because what white blood cells do is uh, they destroy and remove old cells and as well as attack infectious agents. Now, some of you might be in the crowd and like, oh man, like I have this dream or I have a goal or like I want to get to the next level with my relationship with God. But a lot of times what happens is that we have a lie in our head or some behavior that is hindering us from getting to the next spot. But the blood of Jesus and the reason why he did it and, and, and he spilt the blood was now we have access to this huge God up here, this big, huge God who is stronger and has all the strength, all the knowledge, all the wisdom that now we can tap into all that stuff. So any lie that I have, he brings truth to it. Uh, Pharrell Williams has a song and he says, um, <laughs> he says, uh, is that a snake I just saw? But they can only live where the grass and weeds are tall, which is so true. So what we have to do is like we have to cut the grass, cut the crap, get to the truth of the snake and bring truth to it. Scripture says that like Moses brought the law, but Jesus brings truth and he brings grace. And that's what we need to do is eliminate some of these lies. Lies like, I'm not good enough. Lies like, I'm not beautiful. Well, Genesis tells me that, that we all are made in Christ's image. So that you're not beautiful, that's a lie. Saying that you're not good enough, well, actually we have a God up here that we have now have full access to. So whatever, like I want to accomplish whatever dream that I have, it's definitely capable because of the blood that was spilled. Now I got this awesome God. It's the same thing with white blood cells do. They attack infectious agents. We need to just line up and just get ourselves into a relationship with God so that we can kill all, all these lies and so that we can then move forward in our lives. We Okay. Uh, Revelation uh, 12, 11, a lot of you guys have heard this. Uh, and they overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the lamb, Jesus, and the word of their testimony. Where, where's Roman? The word of their testimony. A lot of you guys have probably gone through a lot of crap in life, but you're here. You've made it this far. And now you have a story to tell on like, hey, if somebody else is going to do something, like, look, I made it out of this. And when we team up with God, the rest of the crap that we have or any type of old behavior, God can go, he wants to just go ahead and knock out with us. Because it's because of the blood that was spilled, now we are conquerors. My number one, like, my like, I don't know what you want to say, like theme for myself is that like I am more than a conqueror. There's nothing that can hold me back from attaining my dream, my goals, or getting that next level except for me. Okay. So the next thing I want to talk about is uh, authority. And Jesus brings authority. And when I say authority, I'm not talking about some like buzz cut soldier or like lieutenant or anything like that. But... God put us above angels. I mean, us as humans, I mean, he put us up on such a high pedestal. Um, in Matthew 5.14, I was so blown away when I read this. It says, and this is Jesus speaking. He says, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before men so that they may see your good deeds and praise your father in heaven. 
It says, you're the light of the world. Like you guys, us, like all of us are the light of the world. We have a light that shines. We don't need to just, like, we, we don't need to try to do anything like, oh, like, I'm trying to reach my friends or I'm trying to reach my coworkers. We don't need to try. We need to stop trying. We need to be intentional and let our light shine. And that's what Christ gives us. He gives us authority and gives us light. And the more we do outside, the more we do in our personal time, the brighter our light shines. It's just like in class, if you guys are in class or ever had a class, it's really not about <laughs> ever had a class. Are you guys there with the school before? Yeah, okay. It's like if when, when you have a class, it's not really what you do inside that class. It's what you do outside of that class. It's what you, you, you take notes inside to take them out and to apply them so you could take it in. Your success in the class is predominantly on what you do outside. So if your heart is to be a leader, whether it's here or whether it's at another church, it depends on what, you, what are you doing outside? What are you, how much time are you spending with God? How much time are you taking to say, hey, God, like, I just want to hear you and just shutting up and listen? That's really what it takes, and that's what it really takes in order to be a leader because your light is going to shine even brighter. The more you do outside, your light's going to shine. My prayer is never, God, just let my light shine bright. No, it's contingent on me, on how much time I'm spending with God, letting him in to come out. And you guys, like, God is so, I mean, Jesus got, like, so cool. So cool. And once we read about him and we see how cool he really is, then he becomes cool to us. And when he comes, becomes cool to us, we then relay him as, look how cool he is. And people aren't really, like, people don't want, like, oh, you know, revert to God or you're, you're going to hell. People have already heard that. That's not how we get people. It's not to scare people out of death, but it's and to attract them to the life, the life, the life that's more abundant that we have when we do come into relationship with God. And when we understand that he's cool, we're able to relay him in such a cool way that people are like, that's, he's right. He is cool. <laughs> Next thing I want to talk about was uh, Jesus is a word. Now, Noth had one time spoke and I might be taken to a different context, but when I, when I think about my walk with God, I always like to think like, like I envision myself as a warrior. You know what I mean? Like some type of 300 with like ripped abs and you know what I mean? Like I got exact precision on like throwing spears and things like that, you know? Um, but Noff gave a, a, an example of like, of like a sword. So like the more authority that I have, with, with the sword, the better I'm able to fight off these lies and I'm better to fight off the enemy, right? And the more knowledge that I obtain from the word, I mean, like, the, the, the sharper, the longer that, that this sword uh, is and the stronger I am to then swing it. But sometimes with Scripture, and I kind of talked about small group, but sometimes with Scripture, we can twist Scripture, and we can make all these crazy theologies about it that would then cause us to then drop our sword and then fall on it. 
But the Bible says that Jesus is the word. There's no twisting the word. There's no twisting that. So if you're here tonight, you're like, it's really hard for me to read. And it's like, sometimes it's like the uh, wordage of the Bible is just hard for me to understand. You guys, I get it. I'm like one of those guys where like, sometimes I have to read things like over and over and over again in order for my brain to actually register it. But the Bible's really not as hard to read as we think it is. I was reading, I just started off in Matthew. I was talking to, where's Isaac at? Well, he was here somewhere. But I was talking to, uh, about just how it's always been kind of hard for me to just get myself down to reading. My heart, I have a, my heart's like the knowledge, the love that this, that this Bible has. My heart wants it. But what happens is that my heart will send a signal up to my brain and then my brain will then filter out, mm, is this going to happen or not? Because the body does what the mind tells it to. So then I get this impulse from my heart that goes into my brain and gets filtered whether or not it's, it, it's going to happen. I just realized, and this is just within the last month, you guys, that like me and reading has just become so much of a stronghold. Like I'll have these like roller coaster waves and I'm too old. I don't like roller coasters anymore. It, is, it gives me a headache. Don't, if there's a theme park uh, out, like, I'm not going. It's, I went to Magic Mountain like, oh, nine, that was probably it. But like, I don't want to be on this roller coaster. And so I just identified like, man, this is such a stronghold for me. And so what I did was I'm like, all right, God, like, I need to team up with you. And because of what Jesus did, I could ask God for that. God, like, I need your strength. I consistently need a renewing of my mind so that I can get over this hump and so that I can get into this word. This week has just been great just reading Matthew and just looking at, like, God's healings and all the things that he's been doing. The first part of the chapter will name off, like, a bunch of names, a bunch of, like, lineages. But then the rest of it, it's like, dude... Christ is just, he's just doing healing. He's touching people. People are getting healed. Like, it's, it's, it's crazy and it's amazing because with knowledge is power. And I don't mean to be cliche, but you guys, knowledge is power. My humanities teacher was telling me, she said that she, she's been doing studying. And in 2005, she said, I was doing studying on the housing market. And she predicted, she said, like, I predicted that the housing market was going to crash. She's like, I already knew it was going to happen. So in 2005, she sold her home, rented. She says now she owns three homes. Because of the studying that she did, because of the knowledge that she had, she was able to act. Knowledge is power. And in Matthew, it says not... Because sometimes we could have knowledge and then just not apply it. But when Jesus and Matthew is talking about, we got to put stuff into practice. And when we have that knowledge and put things into practice, when we know better and we put it in practice, we do better. And so I wanted to, um, to read the scripture from uh, John. And this is the Samaritan woman. I thought this was just like a really cool, some of you guys might know it, some of you might not. But um, it says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. And to give you guys a, <laughs> a dissertation on what's happening is Jesus was, was walking. He went to a well, saw a woman that was from Samaria, and just started talking to her, right? So he says, uh, everyone who drinks from this well will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst again. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. 
The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. She said, I have no husband, Jesus, uh, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the husband uh, you now have is not your husband. Uh, what you have just said is quite true. And then she says, uh, sir, the woman said, uh, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors have worshipped on this mountain. Uh, but the Jews come, claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. So what happens is Jesus is talking to her, but he already knows everything about her. So you're probably sitting here thinking like, man, like, she said that she had five husbands. Well, I've slept with more than five people. You know what I mean? Like, that's part of the reason why I don't like talking to God because I'm not living a lifestyle that you know, like all these other good Christians. But you guys, that's, that's not God's heart. That's shame. And shame comes from the devil. Anytime that we think that our behavior is, 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 is going to stop us from wanting to seek God, that is of the enemy. What happens is like our identity is in a child of God. My behavior is something totally separate. The more that I hang out with God, the more I hang out here with you guys, the more I hang out with, 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 with iron and not butter knives. Come on. Come on. <laughs> the better I do. And he goes on and just tells the woman about uh, the rest of the Samaritans and then just on, on just how they're worshiping into the, the, like the wrong way. Jesus is, he, he didn't condemn her. He didn't do anything to her. He talked to her and he braced her. Like that's Christ's heart right there is to just talk to us. He wants to be with us. He wants to spend time with us. It doesn't matter what we're doing. It doesn't matter where, where, where we're at. He wants us to just take advantage of that relationship that he created. It's just like if, if, if you have like a rich grandma or a rich aunt who like bought you a house, but you're staying in your apartment or like HUD house, she calls you two years later and was like, hey, are you like living in the house? You're like, no. Like, why not? I made it available for you. I bought it for you to live in. All you got to do is go and live there. It's the same thing with our relationship with God. All we got to do is take advantage of it. Jesus died for our sins. In uh, Ephesians 1.4, it says that God looks at us sinless and without fault. So when people say that, like, oh, I'm scared to go to church or I'm scared to do this because I'm going to get struck by lightning. Um, actually, no. God looks at you sinless without fault. So let's go ahead and kill that lie and let's walk in here together. Uh, there was another story in Matthew of, and you guys might have heard it, of the woman that was caught in adultery. I mean, like, caught in the middle of the act, like pulling sheets up like that. Like. <laughs> and the Pharisees, like, took her in front of Jesus and, and was pretty much like, what are we going to do with her? Like, she, like, she, 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 she did this. And he said, 
whoever has without sin cast the first stone. And all that he told her to do was go sin no more. He said, I'm not going to condemn you. Just go sin no more. That's the heart of God right there. We don't need to confess our sins anymore. All we got to do is repent. And what repentance means is water, uh, not painted perfect picture. You have two doors. You put your hand on one of them to open up, your hand gets burned. It's one of those hot, like, Home Alone 2 doorknobs or whatever, right? <laughs> it's hot, you burned your hand. So what are you going to do? You're going to go in the other door. And that's what repentance means. It's like, okay, I did this over here, but God, I'm going to move over here. I, I, I need that strength, that help to get me over here. I need that, that renewing of my mind to get me to open this door. Because my body, for some reason, still wants to open this one, even though I keep getting burnt. Hello. <laughs> Last thing I want to talk about is we are one body in Christ. Wherever you, you go to on either whether it's Sunday or you go to another college group and you're just checking us out, uh, here we are one body, which means it's like somebody's the hand, somebody's the foot. Like you guys, some of you might, might know Jake, some of you guys might not, but Jake's the one that's in the back. Yeah, he's the one that like oversees the sound and everything. We might not see him, but he's orchestrating things right now. He's on that computer doing things, just like our liver. I might not be able to see it, but I know that it's doing something. It, 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 if, if, I, if I didn't have it, my body wouldn't be working. It wouldn't be functioning 100%. So here at Epic Life, what we're doing is we're just walking with God. That's it. We're not, we're, we're not running because we don't want to run ahead of him. We're just walking with him. Now, let's say I got... Jadita on my left hand, and let's say I got Angela, that's the right hand. And this is all, I just look, this, the body of Christ. Move this out the way. I love, this is going to be a good example. <laughs> so we got JD on the left hand, we got Angela on the right hand. And let's say we got Eric Waterbury for the thigh. I think that's a favorite piece of chicken, so. <laughs> and let's say we got RJ at the foot. And RJ, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pick on you, but it, it's, it's only because I love you, all right? So let's just say RJ's like, oh, man, forget this God stuff. Forget this. Forget all this. I'm, I am out of here. What does that mean? He just lost a foot. <laughs> so this is what's going to have to happen. Angela and JD are going to have to come and lift up Eric so that we could continue to walk forward. But we're gonna do something like this because we're gonna keep walking. We're gonna keep walking, but it's gonna cause us to walk like this. So if, if, if God's calling us to you know, lay hands with somebody or if there's a snake, it's gonna be hard to do one of these to get up out of there because we ain't got no foot no more. All you guys play a very intricate part we don't want you guys to bring your friends just so we can increase attendance so that we can be cool and forever. No, because we function 100% when everybody is in here, when everybody's working together and building up that, that, that spiritual muscle so we could be strong together. I said this in small group, but for any of you guys that like, are like lifting weights and trying to get healthy for the summer, like I'm right there with you. 
but no matter how many weights I lift, I cannot punch the devil in his face. It's that spiritual muscle that I exercise that I am able to punch the devil in his face. You guys feel me on that one? All right. And it says here in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but it has many parts from one body, so it is with Christ. For we're all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we are, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. You guys, we all play our parts here. And the part of the reason of, you know, like, like Romeo saying, like, that was great. Five years ago, you guys, I was in shambles. When I first met up with, like, Waterbury, there's no way he would have had me coming up here. It's about the choices that we make where it's like, yeah, God, I do like this over here. But you know what, God, I'm going to choose you. God, this is calling my name, but so are you. I've done this before, and I've seen the result, and I'd be insane to do it again. So I'm going to come after you. Because, you guys, God is a rock, and he's solid. My faith is in him because I know that he is a rock that cannot be shaken. Like, I have the strongest foundation ever on him. And that foundation is not only available for me, it's available for all of us. One community, one God. I mean, every, I mean, from just the authority that we have to the blood that was shed, you guys, was all for us. It was also we can have relationship. So um, if I could have the band come up. Is that what happened? I think that's what we're doing next. Okay. <laughs> so I just want to kind of end with this. Um, for some of you guys that might know me or might not, but my mom passed away in June from cancer. Now she had been you know, fighting cancer for like five years, put up a really good fight. Losing a mom is hard. And at times like I just get sad. Like some, I'll just be randomly at Starbucks and just start bawling or I'll be at work and just start like tearing up. What has happened is that God wants to be in every aspect of our life, every single aspect. What I used to do before was I would just try to suppress and just ignore all those feelings. I'd be like, no, man up. But God wants to be in every aspect. So as I'm feeling sad and you guys like, as I'm crying, I say, God, like, I need you right now. I need you to hold me like a baby. Grown man, hold me like a baby. And just, you guys, he, he listens. <laughs> I mean, I'm able to, yeah. I mean, because he does it so much, I'm, I'm, I'm able to laugh with you guys. But you guys, it's so comforting. It's so comforting. Matthew says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And you guys, he just reaches out and he, and, 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 and he hugs me. And the sadness just eventually begins to just dwindle down, 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 until I'm back to my equilibrium. But it's caused me to trust God even more, knowing that through my tough time, I'm able to call on him and feel him because it's his presence that I feel that knocks away that sadness. 
In the same way that the Holy Spirit, the same way that God holds me, he wants to hold all you guys. Tonight. Tonight. So that's what I got for tonight. You guys, let's just do this whole Jesus culture. I don't want to say it's a thing, but you guys, let's just look at Jesus. How did he do things? How did he talk to people? And let's use him as our example. And let's usher in this Jesus culture of ours. Thank you.